Good afternoon. I'm uh, Ryan Stanton. I'm an emergency physician in Lexington, Kentucky. Um, there's the other stuff up there uh, if you want to eyeball that. So who in here hates their patients? <laughs> All right. So nobody except this section really hates their patients. We all get into medicine because we love what we do and we love the people we're taking care of, for the most part. There's a couple of people on a punch of the mouth, but not many. The question is, do they know that you actually care about why they're there or what's going on? And that's very difficult as our time gets pulled away from the patient's bedside. Right now, an average of 65% of our time is spent on a computer in the emergency department, not in front of a patient. That means in an average emergency department, you're spending five minutes with every patient. That's it. Five minutes face-to-face. -face. And during that time, we have to get the information. We have to formulate a, dis, uh, a, a differential, a disposition and plan, and educate during that time. I think that is a pretty incredible task to, uh, to be done in five minutes. So let's define empathy, the ability to understand and share the feelings of another. Now it's important for us as doctors to feel empathy, but we also, as physicians, can't leave ourselves exposed at the risk of compassion fatigue. You know, that constant chipping away at that rock that is uh, our empathy, our sympathy, our connection to our patients, and eventually will crumble into, into uh, pebbles. One of the first, first things you learn in medicine is how much more there is than science. But unfortunately, medical school and residency teaches us a lot about science and the practice of medicine, but really doesn't teach us a whole bunch about that connection to the patient. How do we connect with them? And if you connect with the patient, that makes a huge difference in not only successful diagnostics, but also decreasing that risk associated with medical legal risk, and also in the back end will satisfy will keep your job satisfaction up and prevent burnout. So it's just simple that um, obviously when you upload something to a site remotely from Kentucky that the red line gets misplaced far to the right. So not equal, it's supposed to be over to the left over the equal. So analytics and science does not equal compassion and empathy. Those things don't automatically go together. And we are scientists. That's what we went into. We went into scientists because we're, we're scientists and we take things, one plus one equals two. We, we go down these algorithms and figure out things that are going on. So we have a hard time sometimes um, relating to that right side of the brain. Now, a lot of the medical schools now are looking for more right side brained people. But for the vast majority of us, the left brain is quite dominant. And this is the way it feels. When you go to medical school and when you go into residency, it feels like so much of that compassion is beaten out of us. So much now is don't get too involved, don't get sucked in because we have to be ready for that next patient. Here's a 2011 survey, 800 recently hospitalized patients, only 53% felt their physicians were empathetic and caring. That's a huge disparity. Do you really think that 47% of the doctors are a-holes? That they don't care about their patients? That's just not the case. It's just there's a breakdown in communication. Doctors interrupt patient within 18 seconds. That's a well-known statistic. They start telling a story, and that's a lot more for us as emergency medicine because the vast majority of us have a little bit of ADD going on. And so 18 seconds for us is like a lifetime. So interrupting the patients, and then they all of a sudden feel like they're not being heard. 
it's not going to be core curriculum. At your medical school and, and your facilities, it's not going to be part of that core curri curriculum. And we're educated as scientists, not therapists. Compassion fatigue is huge. It's enough that the media is starting to, to catch on to it. We have stories that are being done on physicians on the challenge of compassion fatigue and how it's affecting our care that we're providing to our patients. And then, again, modern medicine does not translate automatically into empathy. So a big word that starts with an A um, from 1912 from Osler, who uh, states, argues that by neutralizing their emotions to the point that they feel nothing in response to suffering, physicians can see into and hence study the patient's inner life. Thus, for generations of medicine, we were taught that we shouldn't feel, that the only way we're going to connect to our patients is by not feeling and not connecting that we need to de detach ourselves and detach everything that is us so we can understand the patients. Well, little do we understand that without connecting to our patients, we cannot actually understand what is going on. And there's always much more that's going on than just the outside complaint that they have. And that's one of the hardest things in medicine to understand. And that's what I teach our students, whether it's PA, medical students, residents who come in. The hardest thing you do is finding out why the patient is really there. What is their need? What is their fear? What is their concern? It may be more than a cough. Did they have a family member die of cancer, from throat cancer? Do they have a foot pain and they had somebody who had a stroke? Trying to figure out why that patient really is there. And here's some things, here's some articles that have come out clearly. Clearly, this is understood and there is research out there. So this is one of the nurses in our emergency department um, taking care of a patient. I assume it's a fake patient because all of our hospitals like get, get apoplectic if you take a, patient, a picture of a real patient. So with a physician, why do we need empathy? What's going to be the benefit? Because everybody who wants to adapt something wants to know what's in it for me. So physician, you're going to have less stress, less cynicism. There's a lot of times that I'm a, I'm a full night doc. I don't do any day shifts. And there's a lot of times at four in the morning, I want to say a lot of bad words, things that I'll regret later. Less cynicism, less burnout, higher patient satisfaction, fewer lawsuits. I mean, there's actually a study that shows that if you empathize with your patient and they know you care, you are much less likely to be sued. And I know that's important to all of you because that's one of the things that keeps me up at night is worrying about what have I missed and have I done something that's going to potentially get me sued. Fewer medical errors, fewer reasons why you could get sued. And then, of course, increasing reimbursement. Why? For the patients, is it important? They're going to be more satisfied. They're going to have better outcomes. They're going to have better compliance with their care plan. They're going to trust you, and they're going to understand more of what you tell them and what you teach them. <clears throat> this is something that's very important. To know your patients, you really need to know yourself. Understand how you communicate, because I did this in an executive training uh, at the hospital I was working for at the time. They got us all in there. There was nurses, there was doctors, um, there was uh, other staff throughout the hospital, um, and well, administrators, of course. And they said, they, they gave us the DISC survey. They broke it down. That's one of the tools for breaking down what kind of personality you are. The vast majority of physicians are the D for dominance. You're very much in control. You want to own the space. You want everything to go the way you go, that you want it to go. Think about a lot of surgeons, the way you think about the classic surgeon, that person that needs to control the environment. Another percentage is the influence, the I. That's the emotion. That's the communicator. That's the one that wants to, um, that probably is more on the lines of being able to uh, communicate with the patients. I happen to be an I. 
the issue is the weakness is it is. It's governed by emotion. I let things, I take things personally. I think let things affect me. And so understanding what you are is very much an important aspect of understanding your patients and being able to connect. Steadiness and conscientiousness, S and C, very few doctors fall under that. A lot of the people who do billing, who do clerical stuff, fall under those two right there because it's very much rules-driven and, and staying within the lines. Doctors don't necessarily like to stay between the lines. So I would suggest that if you have an opportunity, you've never had this done before, get this done because not only does it tell you how you communicate and how you receive information, but also can help you understand how you can better communicate to others. Because as a D or an I, you're probably not going to communicate very well with a lot of our patients, especially the Ds. Here's some very easy tips. And this makes sense, but we have to drive it home because we're not clearly doing it. And the fact that in the computer age of medicine, we're constantly pulled away from eye contact and connecting with our patients. We're sitting there on a computer. We're writing down on a notepad so we can later document on the computer. We're looking at other things. We're searching for stuff. We're trying to take advantage of that five minutes. Make eye contact. That is one of the best things. The eyes are the windows to the soul, and if we make contact with that patient, we make contact. We make, we make eye contact with the patient. We're going to make contact with them, and they're going to feel like that we are listening to them, that we are interested in why they're there and what their problem is today. Have a seat, especially if you're tall, especially if you're male, because it can be intimidating. When you sit down at your eye level with the person in the bed, they feel like, one, you're taking the time for them, and two, you're equals on levels. There's a lot of um, communication that happens with differences in heights. There's a reason why a lot of people, when it's, a, when it's CEOs, like to have a higher chair than the person they're talking to. When you go into administrator's office and the chair you're sitting in is really soft and you sink way down, that's not just because they bought a cheap chair. That has a lot to do with communication and position and power. And we want to equal the playing field with our patients. Make sure you listen to them. And I mean truly listen to them. Don't listen for projecting your next question or your next statement or waiting with your mouth quivering because you have something to say. Actually listen to what the patient is saying. Talk like a human being. We're taught Latin for years. And we still use Latin. Talk to the patients in terms they can understand. Realize that the vast majority of patients understand about a third to fifth grade level. There's a reason why the media writes to a third grade level. And that's because it's what people understand. And if you speak to them in a way they can understand it, they're going to feel like you're more connected. If not, they're going to say that they felt like you were trying to talk over their head, that you're trying to be, come in here and use big words to look smart. Tone, your posture, your body language, you know, folding your hands. Don't be gregarious. Relax. A lot of people, there's a lot of non, uh, the communication is a lot of what people feel, and it's not what comes out of your mouth. It's a communication. You want to find, and I mentioned this, find and address that biggest concern that the patient has. That may be more difficult, and it may come down to the end saying, well, what is your biggest concern associated with why you're here today? And that's when they may tell you the story about their family member or their friend or whatever just happened um, that may, has them really concerned. Because we see that all the time. We see people come in and are like, why did you come to the emergency department for that? Well, there may be a legitimate concern that's going to keep them up at night. And I actually will frame it like this. I said, what about your situation right now is going to keep you up tonight? What's your worry and what can I help you with? Because the best thing we do as doctors, I mean, it, it literally means teacher. It does not mean therapist in terms of therapies of medications or procedures. It means a teacher. 
And so we need to teach our patients probably 85, 90% of what comes in our door, if we leave well enough alone, is either not going to get worse or it's going to get better. And so what they're there for, in many cases, it's information, clarity, knowing what is going to happen next. And we have the information. Don't answer a feeling with a fact. Men, you are terrible at this. Women, you know men are terrible at this. This is what happens in our household with marriages, right? The woman comes to you and she needs a, with emotion or things like that. And you said, well, we went on five dates last week, so you should be happy. You know, with a fact, spitting back a fact. Well, don't worry about it. Statistically, that's not going to happen. Men love facts. Men love definition. A lot of times, women more want the emotion, want the feeling, and they want to know that you're connected. Men, if you don't do this, understand that sometimes your ladies don't want you to respond. They want you to understand and feel like you care. Take that home. I just saved your marriage in some cases. I learned that very early, probably with a little bit of violence. I'm not going to say it for sure, but it may have happened. Be okay with I don't know and I'm sorry. I know we are concerned about if I, if I say I'm sorry that I'm going to get sued, that you live somewhere. But honestly, we need to be decent human beings. We need to be able to talk to our patients and say that I'm sorry. You don't have to apologize for the care. You don't have to apologize necessarily for a mistake. But you can apologize for a situation. You can apologize for the wait. You can apologize for the delay in labs and imaging and things like that. Be willing to understand the situation that they're in and acknowledge and address the emotions. When a patient has lost a family member, don't just walk in and say, yep, they died of a heart attack. We're going to call a morgue and uh, we'll, be, we'll be moving on quickly. Be able to connect. Put a hand on their hand. Understand and acknowledge emotions because emotions are real. When, before you enter the room, I want everybody to have one thought. What does my patient or this family really need from me today? And if you do that, we're not thinking about the patient has an ankle sprain, they have ankle pain, I need to worry about that. Understanding what they really need from you. Is it a medication? Is it education? Is it a referral? Is it knowledge? Or just, is it just somebody to listen? So understand that. And I think about that every, every time I walk in a room. I don't think very long because I move real fast and we see a lot of patients, so you don't have to really stretch it out. But just take a moment and think, what does this patient need from me? Here's some of the education resources that are out there, some available things. I don't have any affiliation with any of these. I honestly just looked up uh, physicians and empathy and ways that you can connect. And these are some good courses. Of course, in a 25-minute talk here, I'm not able to really get into all of this and get into the details and techniques and things that you can do to help empathize or show your empathy towards the patient. But there's a lot of resources that are available out there, free resources and things you can do that you can take back to your practices, to your emergency departments to help with that communication because it will make a significant difference. The most important thing I want you to remember here, the most important thing, is you went into medicine because you cared about people. Very few people, and you did the wrong thing if you went into medicine for the money, or the prestige, or the big house, or the new car, or those things the public may think that we went into it for. The vast majority of people I talked to that went into medicine went into medicine because they cared about people, they wanted to take care of, they wanted to take care of people, they had something significant that happened in their life that made them want to help others. 
They have family members that have suffered from some chronic illness or something that they felt like that they needed uh, to, to move forward in advanced medicine. But at the same time, um, at the same time, we are having a very hard time turning that over to our patients and letting them know we care. I did a talk earlier today, actually yesterday, on the wellness, on burnout in medicine. Burnout in medicine is a huge deal. About 65% of physicians have some level of burnout. About a similar number could actually be diagnosed with PTSD because of what we see on a daily basis. We probably could. You see news articles and things about tragedies that happen and counselors that are available to help people work through that. Theoretically, we could have that at the end of every single one of our shifts because of what we see, because of what we experience, and that's not there. This is one method. Being able to empathize with our patients, being able to connect with them is one way to decrease that burnout and help us move forward as a profession and longevity. The average burnout for an emergency physician is 10 years, right? That's the theory, about 10 years. How many people have practiced more than 10 years? You're on the burn. You're on the grill. You're starting to cook a little bit. You need to take those steps to make sure that you can empathize with your patients, that you can do the things to be proactive for your practice because it's going to satisfy you more down the road. It's going to help you at home. It's going to help you with your patients. And honestly, the most important thing is you're going to provide better care to our patients. Does anybody have any questions about anything? This is truly rapid fire. All right, guys, you have a good day. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to ASEP Essay Replay. Select lectures from the American College of Emergency Physicians Scientific Assembly. Check out www.asep.org slash ASEPECME for free and discounted CME courses every month including the brand new ASEP Trauma, Stroke, and Cardiovascular CME Collection, the third edition.